Welcome to the Ellis Martin Report. During this broadcast, you will learn of potential investment opportunities involving publicly traded companies. These companies have paid us for exposure on this program. We ask that before you consider any possible investment choice, do your own research. You can begin the research process by visiting our website, ellismartinreport.com. Remember, if you do invest in any publicly traded concern, you do so at your own risk. Here's the host of the Ellis Martin Report, Ellis Martin. Welcome to the program. Today you'll be hearing from several publicly traded companies that as part of their fiduciary duty to grow their shareholder base have hired us to expose them to our audience for potential investment consideration. I make no recommendations about whether or not you should consider investing in our client companies. That is entirely your choice. Before making an investment decision, I encourage you to do your own research on each company. Go beyond the interviews themselves. Look at their websites and do the research needed to become educated. All of our current sponsors are featured on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. You can click through their banners or logos to their websites. There are many resources available to become educated. Use them. I also encourage you not to risk your investment dollars if you cannot afford to do so. There is definitely the possibility of gain while investing as well as the possibility for loss. Stay emotion-free and make smart decisions one way or the other. We'll also speak to analysts on this program who will help to educate us and inform us as to what is happening in the financial world markets, etc. None of us are telling you to buy anything. You'll also hear from co-host Bob Lang as he joins our staff as interviewer. Feel free to contact us via email by writing to martinreports at gmail.com. That's martinreports at gmail.com. We welcome our new and recent association with the Voice America Business Channel. Let's begin the program. Join me now for a conversation with Lorne Waldman, the Corporate Secretary for Silvercore Metals Incorporated, trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol SBM. Silvercore Metals is engaged in the acquisition, exploration, development, and mining of high-grade silver-related mineral properties in China and Canada. Silvercore is the largest primary silver producer in China through the operation of four silver lead zinc mines in the Ying Mining Camp in Henan Province. Lord, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Alice. Now, Silver Core is the largest silver producer in China. That is very significant. One of the top ten producers in the world. You are giving out a two cent per share dividend to your shareholders. This is great news across the board. Well, it is. You know, we pride ourselves in having been one of the first mining companies to start paying dividends to its shareholders. And you know, we've done that for well over three years now and look forward to being able to continue growing our business, which forms the foundation you need to grow uh, your dividends. Now, this is a revenue-producing mine in China, in the Hunan province, the Ying Mining Camp, and the revenues keep growing year after year dramatically. Well, that, that's correct. You know, we first started producing at the Ying Mine in uh, 2006, and we've successfully grown our production there every year uh, since. In our most recent year, we produced over 5.3 million ounces of silver. But I think you know, more important than just how many ounces are you able to produce and how much revenue are you able to produce is, hey, how profitably are you able to do it? And Silver Corp can boast that it's the world's lowest cost primary silver producer relative to its industry peers. And because of that, we have one of the highest uh, gross profit margins, and that translates right down to the bottom line. Now, let's break that down just a little bit. There's a negative cost, actually, to produce silver. It's really not costing you anything. You're making money on the deal. That's correct. So if you looked at our latest financial statements for the quarter ending uh, June 30th, you'd see that it cost us actually negative $6.12 
per ounce of silver. And people often ask, well, how can you have a negative cost? And it's relatively simple. You know, to bring a ton of ore out of the ground may cost us, you know, 50 or $60. But from that ton of ore, we also have certain byproducts like lead and zinc. And from those byproducts alone, we get enough revenue to not only cover the cost, but we're already making money. So before we get any of the silver out, we've already made money. That's why we have a cost of negative $6.12 per ounce. Give us a background on how this company got started. Silver Corp was like one of many other Canadian junior exploration companies. Our uh, CEO, Dr. Ri Feng, he was actually born in China, educated in China up to a master's level, and then immigrated to Canada in the late 1980s, got a PhD from the University of Saskatchewan, got a number of years of mining experience in Canada, and then decided, hey, let's take my home knowledge of China and the exploration expertise of Canada and try to do a mining project in China. It succeeded. You know, they found the Ying property. Lots of people thought, oh, it's going to be a small property. Oh, the veins are too narrow. You can't make money. But we saw that, hey, this is a property. We don't know how big it's going to be, but we do know we'll be able to make money. You know, we had the understanding that the costs, your labor costs and your capital costs in China are much lower. So even with narrower veins, you can make a lot of money. And in fact, that's what history has proven us to be correct. Now, Lauren, you recently repurchased 35 million shares of stock. Let's talk about why you did that. Ultimately, the company repurchases stock when we believe that the market is undervaluing our assets and when it appears to be the best use of our capital. So that's why we've done it. We're confident that the market is really undervaluing our shares, and that's why we're in and have purchased you know, over $35 million worth of shares. You know, in addition, we do have insiders who have recently been making purchases as well. So essentially, the company and insiders are supporting the company in addition to doing the work in China. You care about your shareholders. We very much care about our shareholders, but at the end of the day, we're doing what's in the best interest of, of the company. And right now, we look for to do acquisitions, and we see Silver Corp as being one of the best acquisitions we could possibly be making right now at these prices. So in other words, in the company's opinion and, and your opinion, the share price may be dramatically undervalued, and you're just taking advantage of opportunity like any smart potential investor would. That's correct. You know, this is actually our third time in our history where we have gone into the market and bought our own shares. And each time that we've done that, it turned out to have been a good move. And then, you know, in addition to that, though, we're able to continue to pay dividends to our shareholders. And, you know, we have a very healthy cash balance, over uh, $230 million cash on hand as of the end of the last quarter. So we're still able to fund our various growth projects as well as have room left over should we find other good acquisition targets in in China. Well, Lauren, I really appreciate the update. We've been speaking with Lauren Waldman, the Corporate Secretary for Silvercore Metals Incorporated, trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol SVM and also on the Toronto Stock Exchange as SVM. Lauren Waldman, thanks so much for joining us today on the program. Thanks, Ellis. If you'd like to hear this segment again, go to our website, ellismartinreport.com. Join me now for a conversation with Scott Drever, the president of Silvercrest Mines, which trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol SVL and in the U.S. on the OTCQX as STVZF.
Silvercrest Mines is a Mexican precious metals producer with headquarters based in Vancouver, British Columbia. Their flagship property is the 100% owned Santa Elena Mine, which is located northeast of Hermosillo in the prolific state of Sonora, Mexico. The mine is a high-grade epithermal gold and silver producer. The company anticipates that the 2,500 tons per day facility should produce an average of approximately 800,000 ounces of silver and 30,000 ounces of gold per full production year from the open pit heat leach operation. Scott, welcome to the program. Alice, thanks very much. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. For those that are either new to the program or not familiar with your company, please give us a brief background on Silvercrest Mines. Very quickly, my colleagues started this company in 2003. We set some very specific goals to go forward on. We wanted to establish a substantial precious metal resource base. We wanted to get the cash flow from production as quickly as we could, and we wanted to look for elephant deposits while we were doing that and probably preserve ourselves reasonably well as a potential takeover target. I think on those four objectives, we've certainly got three of those in place, and it looks like the results coming from La Jolla will probably fill that fourth objective. For the last several years, probably from late 2005, we've been really, really focused on the production side of things. The Santa Elena project that we picked up in 05, we've taken from dead stop through expiration, pre-feasibility, feasibility, construction, and of course this year declared commercial production earlier in the year. So that's gotten us to a fairly comfortable stage where we've reached the production targets that we look for, which we're doing right now about 3,000 ounces of gold per month and about 30,000, 35,000 ounces of silver. So that'll give us a good steady cash flow platform to go forward on. I think our cash flow in the second quarter of this year is plus $3 million, and we're looking for that to increase over the quarters as we go forward. Now, Santa Elena, which is just northeast of Hermosillo in prolific Sonora State, Mexico, is your flagship property, but let's talk about the jewel, if you will. La Jolla, in Durango, Mexico. What have you discovered there recently? La Jolla is a property, a project that we picked up September of last year, I think it was. Similar in circumstances to Santa Elena in that it's been around for a while. A number of people have looked at it, had difficulties dealing with the owners, but we've been able to overcome those things. And we drilled our first phase of holes at La Jolla earlier this year and have just announced on Monday, I think, the results of at least one of the compilations that we've done. Our initial go-around at it looked at the high-grade silver, gold, copper values that we thought we could make a viable deposit out of. But looking at additional information that we acquired from one of the previous operators, we've been able to expand our horizon, if you will, and look at the possibility of a large bulk tonnage type of deposit. And the results that we've seen have been really, really encouraging. Some of the holes are running 250 meters thereabouts of 55 to 60 grams of silver equivalent, which for people that that don't think in grams is pretty close to an ounce and a half of silver. And over those kinds of widths, it provides us an opportunity to consider a very large bulk tonnage operation. When do you think you're going to be able to define that resource? That'll take a bit of time. We've done 26 holes, I think it is. We picked up another 51 holes in historical data. So that gives us a fairly decent look at about a thousand meters of strike length on the favorable horizon. There's another probably 1,500 meters that we haven't tested at all. So over the course of the next 12 months, we're going to take a hard look at all of that. We have a $3 million drill program schedule that we've already started on. We expect to have three rigs running there for most of next year. That will go a long way 
to telling us about the continuity and the consistency of the grades that we expect to come out of there. So probably by next year, we'll have a good grasp on that. Before the end of this year, we expect to produce a 43-101 technical report with resource estimates attached to it. So it'll all be in stages, but we work very quickly towards defining an economic deposit and working out the capital costs and operating costs so that we know how fast we can go forward with building another production unit. What sort of news do you think we may be able to expect over the coming 12 months or so? We will have a very steady news flow, I think, coming out of Silvercrest. Probably the next item would be an update on the exploration activities that we are undertaking right now. We've drilled a number of holes. Uh, Cruz de Mayo, which we're preparing for feasibility study to part of the expansion plan for Santa Elena, so those results will be available. We'll give people a better idea of the exploration program that we're undertaking at La Jolla. We'll have our financial statements reporting before the end of the month. And one of the most significant elements, I think, is the release of a 43-101 with the initial resource estimates at La Jolla. Then through the first part of next year, of course, there will be updates on the activities or the results of all of those programs. We're also going forward with the expansion plan at Santa Elena, which we expect will double the production there over the next three years. We'll be starting construction at some point in time on a 3,500-ton-a-day conventional mill. We're collaring an underground decline in January of next year to take us down to the bottom of the current deposit at Santa Elena and see what kind of reserves and resources we can develop there. So it's going to be a really, really active 12 months for us. It's quite prolific around Durango and Hermosillo. Mineral-rich and polymetallic. You're very fortunate that you found the properties that you have. Are you going to be looking for more? Absolutely. As you say, it's a very prolific area. First Majestic Laparilla Mine is just across the valley from us. The San Martin and Sabinas Mines are probably 15 kilometers to the southeast of us. Those mines have been active in the same set of geology and types of mineralization that we have at La Jolla for probably plus or minus 300 years. So we're really in a great area. We've got some historical data that leads us in other directions, and those have identified probably three other targets around the results that we've just announced that we're really excited about. So we will take a look at that whole strip between La Jolla and San Martín and Venus just because of the prolific nature of that mineral zone. Now, we're still in somewhat of a tumultuous market, yet your company has seen a dramatic share price increase during the last month. How do you account for that? A couple of reasons. I think people are realizing that our Santa Elena mine is going to do what we said it's going to do. The production and the cash flow is coming out as to what we said. So that's a stabilizing effect, and we, I don't think, have suffered the big hits that some of the groups have. We have expansion plans to double our production going forward, so people look at that as the upside. And I think the news that La Jolla is starting to shape up fairly dramatically is starting to filter out, and people are taking a hard look at us. And you can see that in our daily volumes of trading have been moving up nicely. So I think all of those things contribute to the resilience and the increase that we're seeing in our share price. I think when investors are taking a look at what's going on with La Jolla, they're looking at your track record with Santa Elena, and they expect the same potentially with La Jolla. Yeah, it's always easy to go forward if you're going forward on a successful basis. I think you're absolutely right that we have certainly tried to do what we say we're going to do. That track record and the backgrounds of our management group are starting to shine through. 
Well, we certainly look forward to continued positive news coming out during the next few weeks and months. Scott, thanks very much for joining me today on the program. Absolutely my pleasure once again, Alice. Thanks very much. I've been speaking with Scott Drever, president of Silvercrest Mines. Silvercrest trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol SVL and in the U.S. on the OTCQX under the symbol STVZF. Find a link to their website on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. Contact our sponsor companies directly. They're on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. Ian Chalmers is the managing director of a company with a market cap of nearly $650 million with significant assets of zirconium, rare earths, and rare metals, as well as gold and copper in New South Wales, Australia. Alkane Resources trades in the U.S. on the OTCQX as ANLKY. That's A-N-L-K-Y. The Alkane story has been a compelling one, reflecting the success of their Dubbo Zirconia project and the international market for zirconium and rare metal resources. Ian, welcome back to the program. Oh, good morning, Alice. Well, good morning, my time anyway. Thank you. You issued a release on October 18th noting that you signed a deed of agreement with New South Wales Development of Trade and Investment Regional Infrastructure and Services to receive financial assistance for infrastructure for the development of your wholly owned subsidiary, the Tom Lee Gold Project. You'll be receiving some financial assistance to develop this project. Uh, yes, it's quite an unusual event, I'm sure, anywhere in the world to get government assistance these days to develop resource projects, but uh, yes, our local state government has come in to help us out with some infrastructure, mainly the water supply and power supply to the Tomingley Gold Project. It's a good result because it's a win-win for both us and the local community because the water and the power will ultimately be used for the, for the little tiny village of Tomingley to help maintain its standards there, so it's a good result. It's certainly nice to have state participation in encouraging development of commerce, especially the mining industry in New South Wales. Fortunately, the state government does have a strong policy of trying to assist regional development. In other words, get development in the state outside of the sort of main metropolitan areas, and this is a good step forward. I mean, although Dubbo itself is quite a sizable city nearby to us, some of the other smaller towns and little tiny towns like Tamingley need all the help they can get. So in this case, by helping us to build the gold project on the Tamingley doorstep, but also leave a legacy long-term of a decent water supply to the town and a, and a decent electricity supply. It's a good result, and we certainly encourage the state government to keep doing these sorts of projects. When do you expect to produce gold and generate revenue at Tomlingley? At this stage, it looks like it'll be late next year, early 2013. We're still awaiting the final development approval from the state government. That's obviously a different department from the one that's just put its hand in its pocket to help out. So we're the planning department that we're estimating will have approval before the end of the year. And then it's about 12-month constructing time to build the plant and get it up and running. So realistically, late 2012, early 2013. So you expect to be a gold producer in relatively short order? Yes, yeah, sure. It's a modest size project but it does generate substantial returns it'll, it'll generate 30 to 40 million dollars a year certainly past our base case of seven and a half years out to 10 years and it's a project that we can build on and that's always been the strategy look start off relatively modest but we think over time we can extend out its life there are other synergies in the regions obviously things like the the Dubbo Zirconia project there's a long-term synergy there that we can use the gold development of Tomingley also well there's nothing modest about the Dubbo Zirconia project is there no true it's a world-class project and certainly uh, heading in the right direction. Everything we've done in the last uh, two or three years has certainly progressed towards that development. What can you tell us about progress with Dubbo? 
I guess many things are going on. We did complete the feasibility study back in September. I think we've, you and I have talked about that already. But it certainly showed what a robust project it is, even using very conservative revenue stream. And I think the other thing that you know we like to stress with the project is that two components of it, the zirconium and the heavy rare earth output, really are very strategically important in the whole world sense. I mean, the project will be one of the more significant non-Chinese producers of both of those commodities. Unfortunately, we also have the niobium and the light rare earth output, which help the revenue stream. But it all adds up to making it a very, very good project. And then going forward from here, we've got MOUs. We've got all the zirconium output tied up under MOU now. We're very close to finalising a niobium MOU. And then the rare earths, and certainly the rare earths are very interesting stage. It's a lot more complicated to put in the right sort of deal in place for that. Uh, but I hope that sometime early in the new year we'll have that in place as well. So a lot of things going on. Should have the environmental assessment work done probably middle of next year sometime. And then, of course, that goes into the state government for the approvals process. So we're still on target to have production in 2014, but it will depend a little bit on the state's attitude as to how quickly they can proceed the, the approvals process. You already have at least three offtake agreements that I'm aware of before you even go into production. Not too many companies can make that claim. That's very true, and certainly uh, that's very important. I mean, in fact, it, I mean, it sounds a bit silly, but uh, we actually right now would probably have 120%, 130% of our zirconium output potentially sold, and that's because one of the MOUs is not restricted to any particular tonnage or volume. It's very open-ended at this stage, and with strong markets into both Europe and North America. So it's a good place to be with the zirconium, and it's always governed the size of the project. I mean, the, the more zirconium we can sell the bigger the project can be but the others have said like the Niobin very close to being finalised and then the rare earths we're working on a slightly different concept with the rare earths rather than just sell the two concentrates as they are we're sort of targeting a joint venture with existing separation facilities whereby we can participate in the upside of that the separation to produce the individual rare earth oxide so there's quite a fair amount of work involved in putting that together to get it to a status where you could say yes we have a, a genuine deal in place. Now, some would say that you have a fairly decent share price near $11 a share, but the reality is the sector has taken quite a hit, and your company has too with all that you have going. You might say that your company stock is tremendously undervalued, and it could be a good place to get in, possibly. I agree. Absolutely correct. The whole sector's been unmercifully belted, is probably the words that I'd use. And some of it's been quite misinformed. I think there's been some reports about, you know, I've seen things like rare earth market collapses, rare earth prices collapse. And realistically, that's a long way from the truth. Certainly, the two big bulk volume rare earths like Lanthanum and Cerium have dropped in price, but they're certainly still way above levels that they were at the beginning of this year. So we haven't seen a collapse. And it's just very frustrating when you see media reports that talk about that and of course what happens is that permeates through the whole industry and we all cop it but going back to alkane certainly i guess proportionately we have been hit probably not quite as hard as some but that markdown does not reflect all the assets inside the company and where we are in terms of our development profile and doesn't reflect the gold doesn't reflect the very large resource we've got in joint venture with newmont which you know hopefully will get developed sometime in the next few years so yeah we've certainly been bolted i suppose is a good word in the last three or four weeks Again, you have a non-commercial pilot plant where you're testing your production capabilities, and many other companies have yet to complete their feasibility studies and don't have their infrastructure laid out. I don't see why potential investors shouldn't continue to take a look at Alcane now as an investment possibility. 
Yeah, again, I have to agree with you. Uh, certainly the pilot plant from both the chemical engineering component and the marketing side of it's been extremely important. And then really all projects have to go through this pilot plant at some stage. You can't ultimately get to the point where you can be guaranteed a sign-off on your project on its viability before you've done that, before you get products out to the marketplace. Because all these products are different. Each process produces a slightly different product. And then, of course, the end users have got to be able to add that product to their particular application. So... Uh, obviously, if you can't sell the material, you don't really have a very good project, and uh, it's, it is an important part. And again, it's something that we deliberately set out to do 2005, 2006, and then had the plant running at 2008. It's still running today. We'll operate it through to the middle of next year, almost certainly, just on product development, improving the quality of our products, changing the mix, working on different ideas, of improving recoveries, and all of those sort of things, which, again, the only way you can do that is by a fully operating pilot plant. And, of course, you're trading in the U.S., which is a huge asset. Yes, it is. It's been an interesting exercise, and certainly it's something that we'd like to push further and like to develop further. And it's just, again, it's sort of slow penetrating into the North American market. It always is from Australian, from an Australian perspective. I mean, we're the other side of the world. We're in a very different time zone. But we certainly are making some progress with that listing. Ian, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for joining me today on the program. Thanks very much, Alice. A pleasure as usual. I've been speaking with Ian Chalmers, president of Alkane Resource under the symbol A-N-L-K-Y. That's A-N-L-K-Y. Listen to this segment again on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. For more information, visit our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. IBC Advanced Alloys Corporation is a worldwide manufacturer and supplier of advanced materials and other intermediate products with a focus on rare metals or beryllium-related alloys, as well as non-ferrous alloys, for a wide range of industrial applications, including nuclear power, oil and gas, defense, electronics, and automotive. IBC has 65 employees and while headquartered in Vancouver, Canada, has facilities in Pennsylvania, Indiana, Massachusetts, and Missouri. IBC trades on the Canadian Venture Exchange under the symbol IB.V. Join me now for a discussion with IBC President Anthony Dutton. Anthony, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Good to be here. For the benefit of those listening for the first time, give us some background on IBC Advanced Alloys. IBC is a unique company, Ellis, that was started in 2007 to take advantage of the huge demand in rare earths, rare metals, specialized materials. And we realized very, very quickly that while it's one thing to have a deposit, it's one thing to have a manufacturing company, it's much, much more important that you have a vertically integrated company. So that's how we conceived of the company and that's how we structured the company. And we now are the only Brillium and Brillium Alloys Pure Play company on the market that's vertically integrated right through from exploration to mining to processing to manufacturing. Uh, we've seen our revenues grow over the last three years from $12 million to just under $15 million, and we'll be publishing our 2011 numbers literally next week and I think the market is going to be very impressed with what we've been able to achieve in some pretty difficult circumstances. Our order book is extremely strong. We are leading the R&D area on brilliant related research topics. We are currently engaged in a significant exploration program on our Utah properties, which are next door to the world's largest beryllium mine. So we are firing on all fronts, on all cylinders, and looking forward to the future with great anticipation. How tightly are you connected to uranium? Well, we are connected with uranium in a certain part of our company. As I said, we have an R&D initiative, and that R&D initiative is looking at ways of using beryllium oxide to improve the 
safety and the economics of the nuclear fuel industry. We're working on that R&D initiative with Purdue University, Texas A&M, and then also with a joint venture with GNF, which is GE, Toshiba, and Hitachi. And this research is about adding small parts, about 5% beryllium oxide to the uranium to improve, as I said earlier, the safety and the economics of nuclear fuel. And this has been really well received over the last few months, especially after the tragedy in Fukushima, which was a direct result of the fuel not being able to cool down as efficiently as it could do if it was manufactured with beryllium oxide. So in that sense, we're very closely related to uranium. On the manufacturing side, we have no connection to uranium at all. We manufacture beryllium copper alloys and beryllium aluminum alloys, which are used in a range of high-tech applications such as aerospace, automotive, oil and gas, high-technology manufacturing. So in that sense, we have no relationship to uranium. Doubling back to what you said about vertical integration at the beginning of this interview, essentially everything that you're mining out of the ground, you're taking care of the offtake. You're the end user. Very few mining companies can claim this sort of vertical integration. Well, that was critical to us when we began this company back in 2007, that we controlled every element of the value chain. And in the rare earths and in the rare metal sector, this is especially critical because the markets don't behave the same as, say, the markets for copper or gold or iron ore, where you can effectively sell what you process or sell what you mine. In the more exotic metals, these critical metals, they are sometimes known as, you have to control every element of the value chain, and most importantly, you have to own the customer. So in our case, we've put a lot of time and effort into developing relationships with our end users that include people like Boeing, FMC, Schlumberger, Honeywell, major Fortune 500 companies that are our clients, and then we can filter that relationship if you will, right back up through the value chain to our mineral properties. We're currently not yet mining, but we will have the opportunity to do so and to process that or as we grow the company. Tell us, Anthony, if you don't mind, how you accomplished closing a $3.45 million bought deal financing in this particular market we're in right now. Well, thanks for bringing that up, Ellis. We're pretty proud of that. And I think really all that does is underscore the confidence that certain investors have in the future of IBC. And when I say certain investors, it's basically everybody who hears our story. But we are now in the process of telling our story, so not everybody is familiar with it. But for those people who have sat down and taken the time to listen to our presentation, understand how we've put all the pieces together, see the potential of a company, see the size of our market, understand how we're growing our revenues and what I said earlier is a very difficult economic climate. I think they're realizing that a 20 cent financing for us is incredibly cheap and therefore getting in on a bought deal basis was even just one more feather in our cap. We're very proud of that and wanted to thank Euro Pacific for having led this financing on IBC's behalf. You've got an interesting entry point at the moment if someone is considering becoming a shareholder at 16 cents. Absolutely. We're seeing a little bit of softening in the market overall. I think this is still a reflection of uncertainty around how the whole sovereign debt mess is going to sort itself out in Europe, and we've got generally weak markets right across the board. But with that backdrop, as I said, we've completed a financing close this morning at price higher than the market, which is in itself unusual. And on the actual fundamentals of the company, as I said, we're going to be putting out our financials on Monday. I think everybody's going to be pretty impressed with the numbers that we're going to put out there. 
I can tell you categorically today that our order book has never been stronger. We are increasing our orders on a month-to-month basis. And, you know, as far as we're concerned, the recession is obviously a reality of our world, but we are still finding ways to make our business grow. We've increased our employees over the last 12 months and have made some pretty significant hires. So we're aware of the fact that it's a difficult economy, but we're forging ahead. And I think that when the economy does turn and the confidence returns to the market, we're going to be an extremely well-received story. And what new people to the story may not know is that you're a manufacturer, you're profitable, and you're in the U.S. as well. Exactly. One of the things that has been a challenge for us, I'll come right out and say that, Ellis, is a lot of people who look at us, they think of us as a junior exploration company with some interesting resource properties, and they don't understand that we're a vertically integrated company that's generating in excess of $20 million a year in revenues and growing. And as I said earlier, for the people who sat down and taken the time to understand who we are, understand how the pieces fit together, they can see how that $20 million could be $50 million, could be $100 million in the not-too-distant future. One of the companies that we've been very favorably compared to, and I think this is very, very flattering, is a Canadian company called Neo Materials, which uh, 10 years ago was obviously much smaller than it is today and had a resemblance to who we are today. They had revenues of about what we have today. They had a market cap of about what we have today. And uh, now they're in the revenues in the hundreds of millions of dollars and have a market cap that flirts with a billion dollars, depending on the day. So that's the kind of growth that we aspire to. That's the kind of growth that we know is possible. And that's the kind of growth that we're focused on. And that's the kind of growth that we've been delivering for the last 36 months in what is probably the most difficult economic climate since the 1930s. Well, Anthony, it was a great pleasure speaking with you today. You certainly have an upbeat story. Thanks for joining us on the program. Thank you very much, Alice. For people who want to learn more, please visit our website at ibcadvancedalloys.com or feel free to contact me any way you can. IBC Advanced Alloys trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol IB.V and in the U.S. as IAALF. That's IAALF. Listen to this segment again on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. Getting hungry? Eat knowledge. Find it at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. I'm Bob Lang. Today we're privileged to talk to Anthony Garcia, Senior Vice President of Texas Rare Earth Resources Corp. Texas Rare Earth Resources Corp. has a primary focus of exploring and developing its round-top rare earth beryllium uranium project, which also includes other rare earth elements as well. The Roundtop Project is located 85 miles east of El Paso, Texas, and independent data indicates the property may contain approximately 1.6 B as in boy billion metric tons of host rock, containing rare earth minerals with potentially a 70% ratio of heavy to total rare earth minerals. The company believes a potentially large, high-grade beryllium mineralization and a uranium mineralization is also present in the deposit. The company's stock trades on the OTC bulletin board under the symbol TRER. Anthony Garcia is one of the key members of the team with an extensive background in project engineering and development with major players in the industry, such as Bechtel and Newmont Mining. Anthony, welcome to the show. There's a lot of news coming out this month from Texas Rare Earth Resources. Tell us about it. One of the key things that's happening for us right now to move our project forward is we've just recently received our approval from the Texas General Land Office for our new drilling program. And and that really excites us. In fact, 
it's allowed us to bring on, we have a second rig coming on. It is actually on site now and drilling, and we're moving forward with that. And In fact, we're also in the bidding process at the moment to bring on a complete coring rig in January so we can just move this project as fast as we possibly can in terms of the drilling aspects. What we're doing right now, all this work, the chemistry and our drilling program, is really focused on us getting a preliminary economic assessment out by you know, Q2 2012. We just had our kickoff meeting with Gustafson Associates for advancing our preliminary economic assessment for Round Top Project. And we're really quite excited to have Gustafson associated with us. They're a very quality company. They have a lot of mining experience. And in fact, another part that's really exciting to me is part of their team actually is currently working on other rare earth opportunities. And also, they are providing good value direction on some of the different things that we may want to consider changing that could even make us even a faster track type project. So, like I said, we're really quite excited about it. Gustafson's also providing us expertise because obviously we, we need some of this in terms of doing some of this high-level economic models for the rare earth elements. So we want to make sure that we're doing everything well now so that we don't have anything going forward that we're going to step our toe on. Now, with the hiring of Gustafson, you're not just putting a fine focus on the future financial scenarios, but you're also speeding the process to get there. And based on my understanding about them, they'll also be able to help you with environmental concerns and government regulations and compliancy. Is that right? That's exactly right. By bringing in people like this early, we're kind of de-risking our own study process. We're trying to look positively forward. By bringing in professionals like this, we're going to be as efficient as we possibly can. And it's not just in terms of time, it'll also be in terms of dollars spent. So so the company's bringing that information faster with higher quality and with more financial efficiency. Texas seems to be a good place to do business. Uh, they seem to really understand the mining industry. Do you find that to be the case? Yes, they do. They're a cooperative state. And when we were sitting down with Gustafson running through our high-level schedules, it was actually interesting that the potential exists to be able to move this project forward on an accelerated schedule because we are in Texas. The key aspects that we have to watch out for there obviously still are the chemistry. So the metallurgical results are, are, are some of the most important aspects of it. But as soon as we get through that, we got to start moving and doing the permitting aspects of this. We actually believe with the team of people that we're building right now that we have a very good opportunity to be very competitive in terms of time and in dollars going forward. It looks to me your company's current approach to the Roundtop project really couldn't be better. I actually feel very lucky to be have a project that is in the state of Texas because it really does give you that much of an advantage over any place else in the world right now. One of the other things that's happening in our near future is um, we'll be doing a presentation at the Tomazos conference up in Boston. This is a great opportunity for us once again to go out there, show us where, our, show people where our project's going, what kind of potential value we're going to have, what our timeline is, and so we can actually project our vision out there to the markets. That's just good news all around. We've been speaking with Anthony Garcia, Senior Vice President, Texas Rare Earth Resources Corporation. The company's stock trades on the OTC bulletin board under the symbol T-R-E-R. Anthony, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Remember, you're urged to consider closely the disclosure in the company's latest reports and registration statements filed with the SEC before investing. You can find a link to more Texas Rare Earth Resources information at ellismartinreport.com. Hey, it's me, Cool Voice Guy. Unless your brain is the size of a watermelon, like mine... 
You'd probably like to hear these segments again and again and again. Find us on the web at ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com. If you listen to all of them, your mind will be saturated with money juice. That's what I call it. That's ellismartinreport.com. I'm Bob Lang. We're talking with Mitch Adam, the president and CEO of Bonterra Resources Incorporated, trading on the Venture Exchange under the symbol BTR.V and on the bulletin board with the symbol BONXF. Bonterra has been one of the most exciting companies trading in the resource sector with respect to high-grade gold. Mitch, welcome back to the show. Hi, well, thanks for having me back. I understand there's big news from Bonterra. Yeah, we had a news release on a new sample. Uh, we have taken on our Bonterra Eastern Extension property. And uh, basically what we're doing is we're trying to increase our zone. So we started prospecting in the area and we hit an outcrop that assayed uh, 204 grams per ton gold and 25 grams per ton silver. And this would potentially increase our strike length to about 1.2 kilometers. And originally our strike was at about 500 kilometers. So very exciting times for us. We continue to drill. We continue to get spectacular assays and uh, we're building a nice little deposit here. Bonterra is doing an excellent job of hitting gold and proving great exploration skills. And you just announced this latest discovery. So now you have it. What's the next step? Well, I guess it's uh, first things first. I mean, we drilled our first hole on the property in November of last year, which really set us in motion and allowed us to raise money and get liquidity in the stock and and get us excited about the project. And since then, we've drilled 15,000 meters and damn near every hole has encountered gold in the holes. And what's more important is our last few holes started to establish length and width in the zone. So that adds to tonnage. So our, our first order of business is to start doing an inferred resource calculation, which uh, we're in the midst of right now, and we're hoping to have sometime in November into the market a 43101 report with our new resource calculation. That calculation reflecting this new find, which is the highest gold grade discovered on the property to date, will potentially attract new investors. It would seem that the current share price is not reflective of this new assay, perhaps substantially undervalued. Well, yeah, totally totally undervalued, but it's been a very choppy market globally. You know, we would probably be higher value if the markets were in better shape. You know, we currently have 72 million shares out. We're trading at around 25 to 30 cents. Just to keep in mind, you know, if you find a million ounces of gold, the old model used to be $40 for inferred gold in the ground, so that would be a $40 million market cap. Uh, they now say it's more worth between 60 and $100 because gold's trading at $1,600 an ounce. That could add 60 to $100 million to our market cap, and we currently have about a $25 million market cap. So you know, our goal is just to keep drilling, keep adding tonnage, and keep growing this deposit into something that gets us a way higher valuation. So what is the effect of the new find on the overall holdings of Bonterra? Is more drilling planned for the near term? Well, basically what we've done is we've expanded our footprint. Our current drilling sort of expands out to a certain range that we can reach. And what we're doing is we're waiting for winter to hit and an ice permit, which we've just applied for. And then we'll go out and drill 10,000 meters. And what this this recent find does is it also takes us on land up to the other uh, direction, which if you looked at our website and you looked at a property map, you can sort of see the, you can see the trend of the zone. It's a great discovery on our part. Uh, it really uh, widens our whole footprint on this property. The information you provide on your website, which you should be commended for, really provides lots of information. 
Do you think potential investors will be able to see the work we're talking about? Well, I, I certainly hope so. And what we're trying to do is focus, 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 and develop with what we have. A lot of the times people get confused with companies that are trying to do everything and completing nothing at all. So we realize we're onto something and we're spending uh, you know, 150% of our attention on this asset. We believe it'll pay off for the shareholders. The best indication for in- information, I think, for the investor is to click on the PowerPoint presentation. From soup to nuts, you get a good vision of what we're doing. This focus is on a property that is in Canada's richest gold region. Well, yeah, if you click on uh, on our website and you look at the region, the Abitibi Belt, you can see historic and current production of about 150 million ounces of gold, which accounts for about 81% of Canada's historic and current production. It's a very prolific region. Montera is showing great project execution. That would indicate you have a great team, too. Yes, we do. You know, we're well-funded and we're well-focused and, uh, yeah, we've got a great team behind us. Mitch, how do you follow up a home run like this? Just keep drilling and keep adding tonnage. Thank you, Mitch. We certainly share the excitement of the new discovery for Bonterra Resources. Thank you. Always happy to be on your show. Appreciate it. We've been speaking with Mitch Adam, the president and CEO of Bonterra Resources Incorporated, trading on the Venture Exchange under the symbol BTR.V and on the Bulletin Board under the symbol BONXF. Remember, you're urged to consider closely the disclosure in the company's latest report and registration statements filed with the SEC before investing. You can find a link to more Bonterra Resources information and a podcast as well at ellismartinreport.com. For the Ellis Martin Report, I'm Bob Lang. Once again, here's Ellis Martin. Dudley Baker is the editor of PreciousMetalsWarrants.com. Mr. Baker has 35 years of accumulated knowledge and experience in trading stocks, options, leaps, futures, options on futures, and warrants. In March 2005, he founded and launched a new investment market data service, Precious Metals Warrants, which provides detail on all mining and energy company warrants trading on the U.S. and Canadian exchanges. As part of his service, he provides insights as to when insiders are buying and selling and issues buy and sell recommendations based on his research. Welcome back to the program. Good to be here, Ellis. Do you think we can take off our gloves now and have some fun in this market? It sure looks like the markets are ready to run. Gold is really looking strong. It broke pretty hard below 1600. I mean, intraday, and this came roaring right back. Surprising us, I will say, to the upside, even though we still think there's a chance we could go back down, and we're not the only analyst newsletter writers that think this, that we could have a uh, another serious move back down. What if that does not happen? So all of us need to be aware that none of us are right all the time. So what do we do with this information, right? It just tells me that all investors probably need big core positions, at least 50% of the monies that you want invested into the resource sector, you should already be there. If we're fortunate and we get some pullback and more consolidation, lower prices in gold and the juniors, it's going to allow us to come back in and buy more and we'll have the capital to do that. But as the markets are surprising us to the upside, you sure want to be in the game and you do not want to be left out. The whole world, I mean, it seems to be in chaos, dead issues, and the whole European community and uh, in the U.S. as well. Chances are the surprises will be coming to the upside in the resource sector. The story is now what the story was last year and maybe the year before that, the failing U.S. dollar. Oh, yeah. It's pretty much the same thing. It's the same old story. Basically, the underlying reason why we and many analysts have been bullish on gold and silver is just with what's going on in the world and the U.S. dollar and and all of these stories. And nothing has changed. In all the markets, we know nothing goes 
straight up. Gold and silver, of course, had great runs earlier in the year. We've got some consolidation going on. How far down does it go before we can take a deep breath and say the consolidation's over? It's time to go. It's just still hard for us to take the gloves off, so to speak, and just really pound on the table and back up the truck and be fully invested. We still think there's the chance of further pullback, but you got to listen to what the markets are saying. And the market being the gold market, number one, it wants to go up and it looks strong. You cannot ignore what the markets are telling you here. We feel pretty good. You know, I've got to say my cash position on a percentage basis is 12 to 15 percent. Very light on cash already. So you might say that's darn near fully invested, even though that 12 to 15 percent is still a pretty good chunk of money. And I definitely want to get that into the game as soon as I really feel comfortable. But we're just always seeing opportunities. You don't want to be left out. That's all I know. So we keep telling subscribers kind of the same thing is you know, follow what we are calling our core positions. So subscribers uh, of mine at Precious Metals Warrants get to see all of my positions. I have a, a lot of them labeled as core positions, and I'm really glad that we've held on. It could have been easier in the year to really lighten up, sell a lot of these things. God, what would you have done? We may have missed the bottom when it happened and may not be back in the game. So really comfortable having maintained those core positions. And so subscribers get to see everything that I'm doing. So really the best way to follow what you're doing is to go to PreciousMetalsWarrants.com and plug into the website. You offer some free information, but for that extra service, and to really look over your shoulder, so to speak. But it may be nominal. Folks are wise and follow what you do. Well, yeah, every service is going to cost you some money. I think we've got a rather unique niche in the resource sector being, number one, the warrant database that everybody gets to see in our leverage calculations. So all of the warrants that are trading on all of the resource companies, U.S. and Canada, it basically standalone section of our service. If you don't like warrants, don't worry, because there's plenty more information for you. We do follow the insider activity religiously. We'll say, being straight shooters that we are, following the insiders this year almost in total has been a great, great, great disappointment. I think the insiders have been caught up into this as well, even though they are rah, rah, rah for their given company and have bought a lot of their own stock. They cannot control this whole market environment, which has been pretty bad for all of the resource companies, especially the juniors, smaller exploration companies, this entire year to date. And the third piece of the portfolio that a lot of subscribers like, they get to see my entire portfolio. I'd like to think we've got it organized very well, and I do tell everybody, all subscribers, to see all of the warrant holdings that I have, number one, and all of the gold holdings, all of the silver, uranium, etc. Everything's broken down, everything's hyperlinked, plenty there to do your own due diligence with if you want, and I've got buy positions or hold positions on each of those stocks, as well as down below in there, everyone gets to see a big, big watch list that I've got, companies that we currently are watching. So as we download quotes, those quotes are updating, and I've got some buy parameters in there for quite a few different companies. We come at the market in a little different approach than a lot of the other guys, and I think we do offer good value, and we've had a lot of people that have been with us for a long time. But we're proud of what we've done, and especially proud of where we know we're going to be in the next 24 to 36 months. Well, I'm encouraged. You sound very, very upbeat. We may be in for a little bit of a brief fall rally that could roll into next year. We won't know until we talk again, Dudley. 
Yeah, that's right. But I think now is the time to start getting optimistic here. And if you're not in the game, you've got to get in the game because a lot of these little companies have hardly budged off the bottom yet. So still some great buying opportunities out there today. You just don't want to let these little companies get away from you. They can double so fast. It's incredible. And of course, it's wonderful once you own them. But if you're not already positioned, you feel pretty bad when you've missed a nice quick move up. Dudley, I look forward to visiting with you in a few weeks at the Hard Assets Conference in San Francisco. Should be a great experience for those that attend. You bet. That's going to be a great time. It'll be good to see you there and, and everyone that can make it. Uh, I am doing a workshop there, so check the website there for the Hard Assets Conference and you'll see a workshop. It's going to be a two-hour workshop and it's going to be pretty cool. So you're going to get to pick my brain and any questions you've got. I always love the one-on-one to visit with anybody that's interested in what we're doing. So be a great opportunity. So we'll sure see you there, Ellis. Thanks a lot for joining us today on the program, Dudley. You bet. Adios. I've been speaking with Dudley Baker of PreciousMetalsWarrants.com. That's PreciousMetalsWarrants.com. Listen to the segment again on the homepage of our website, EllisMartinReport.com. Join me now for a conversation with Christopher Anderson, President and CEO of Greenlight Resources, trading as PRZCF. Greenlight Resources is a Canadian polymetallic exploration company focused on the discovery and development of lithium, rare metal deposits, graphite, and gold. The company is currently working on their Brazil Lake property in Nova Scotia. Drilling to date has successfully revealed lithium-bearing pegmatite dikes. Introduce our audience to Greenlight Resources. Yeah, well, Ellis, one of our key projects is a, a lithium project. It's called the Brazil Lake Project, and that's located in Nova Scotia. We've got excellent infrastructure out there and one of the higher-grade known lithium deposits in North America. We spent this last year doing an extensive amount of drilling and exploration, and I think we're going to have a fair amount of news on that. Greenlight has taken on the role of becoming an Atlantic Canada exploration company, primarily in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. So we do have a couple other properties. One of our other properties is we control a majority of the Kempville shear zone, so we got some past producers in there. We did a fair amount of drilling in there this year. We've announced some results. We've done some more prospecting. We've got a fair amount of news coming out on that as well. And, of course, you have the rare earths. Well, we have a very interesting rare earth property in New Brunswick. There was pretty good numbers there in heavy rare earths as well as light rare earths. So we went in and we've done a, an extensive soil survey over that. We just recently announced a project in New Brunswick that we picked up, which is a graphite project. It's had a previous block model on it. I think the grades were running as high as 31% graphite. That's a new project for the company, and that's also located in New Brunswick as well. I think as we go forward here, we've got a fair amount of news coming out. It should be interesting as where we go from here. Our audience knows that for any company to be truly successful, you need a strong management team. What we've been doing over the last couple of months, Ellis, is we've been currently looking at building an advisory board in addition to our current board. And on our board now, we've got a, a gentleman named Richard Granholm. Richard's family was one of the first families in Canada to build and produce batteries, and he's been in the battery business pretty much his whole life. He's on the retail side, and it's quite an interesting addition to the team because he understands not only the physical mechanics of making and building batteries, but he understands the retail market, and he's been involved in importing and export with China, so he's had some pretty good relationships over there as well. And the other gentleman on our board that's more on the precious metal side is a gentleman named Paul Sabar. 
Paul Sabar runs his own company called Golden Goliath, and I know Anglo Gold and Eric Sprotter, Sprott Management, is involved with him quite heavily. And our corporate secretary, Patrick Forsey, is also a geologist and internally is involved with reviewing all our geological steps from an internal point of view. And then our field geologist, we have a gentleman named Don Black that's been working with us, and he's been involved in, in several major projects out on the East Coast and is working with us now in developing both Brazil Lake, Kempville, and our porcupine project. The key vendor that was involved here is a gentleman named Dr. Uh, John Whiteman. John has been responsible for delivering a couple of the key assets that are currently on their way into production and is quite active with us and very informative on bringing forth knowledge in both the lithium space and in the geological opportunities that exist with all the other elements there. We also have rubidium and cesium, and we're dealing with a few of the heavy rare earths as well. So we have a good geological team around us, both on the ground and in the office and at the corporate level. And now what we're doing is we're building an advisory team that can also help guide us moving forward and look for new opportunities because what the company is doing, Ellis, is we want to build a presence and a focus in Atlantic Canada. Our main focus is in the green space, and uh, I think we've done a successful job at assembling an interesting group of properties in that space. Christopher Anderson, CEO and President of Greenlight Resources. Thanks again for joining me on the Ellis Martin Report. Well, thanks for having me, Ellis. Appreciate it. Greenlight Resources trades as PRZCF. Just type in PRZCF. Find a link to their website on the homepage of our website, ellismartinreport.com. You've just heard opinion, commentary, and dissertation involving publicly traded companies seeking your potential investment. They paid us for the privilege. Invest at your own risk and only after doing extensive research. Find our sponsors and listen to segments of this program again on our website, ellismartinreport.com. That's ellismartinreport.com.